We're living in the times that the Bible, the Bible calls the last days. Jesus said in the last days you'll have wars and rumors of wars. And we're experiencing that in our world today. And the Bible calls us to battle. As Christians, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. We're called to be soldiers for Christ. And today I want to look at a passage of Scripture and I want us to, to see something very powerful in this passage. It's in Judges chapter 3. And my message today is entitled, The Lord's Way to War. That may seem like a strange title, but when we get through, I think you'll understand. God not only calls us to war, but God call, He teaches us how to enter into the battle with Him. And it's time that the church enters into battle with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at this passage of Scripture in Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 1 and read through verse 6. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it, namely five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and, uh, the Sidonians, excuse me, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal, Hermon, to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served other gods. There's something very interesting in this passage that I want us to see. There's two, two points, first of all. First of all, God didn't give total victory to Joshua and Israel over all the enemies. And you want to you say, well, what's wrong with Joshua? God's people are supposed to inherit this land. Joshua, why didn't you lead the armies of God and why didn't you get total victory? And that's, that's kind of the way we think. But notice in this passage, it said that God was the one that directed them. God left them. And why did God leave the enemy there to fight against Israel? He tells us. So that the next generation will also be tested whether they're going to be obedient to God and learn the ways of the Lord and learn how God wants them to fight the enemy. So it was God that didn't rout the enemy totally out of the land. It was in his design so that the next generation growing up 
would, would be tested by God. Will they walk with Him? Will they mature in the things of God? Will they learn how to fight like God wants them to fight? And church, we can, we can look at that and we can apply it to our, our lives today. And we're going to get to that. But I just want to say, you need to teach your children how to do war according to Scripture. Because they're growing up in the last days. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. They're going to face deception. And Jesus has a whole list of things that our children, if he doesn't return soon, are going to experience. I don't know about you, but as a parent, I want my children who are all grown now, living for the Lord, I want to see my grandchildren growing up in the things of God, being obedient to His Word, and learning how to take the battle to the enemy. Let's look at these verses again. Look at verse 4. And they were left that He might test Israel by them. He left the enemy there. He didn't wipe out the enemy totally so that the next generation would be tested to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. The they there is all the nations that were just mentioned. So the Lord left those nations unvanquished for a purpose. Look at verse 2. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war. Now that's contrary to most of us are thinking about Christians, right? We love everybody. We even love those that hate us, right? We turn the other cheek, right? And that's a false understanding of the entirety of Scripture. God wants us to be soldiers for Him, to partner with Him, to push back the darkness, because darkness is evident in, in this world today. There's no doubt that evil exists. What has gripped Putin's heart? It's evil, right? He's doing evil things. He's giving in to spiritual influence of the enemy. So we need to train the next generation how to, how to stand up and do battle. Now, when, whenever we come to the Old Testament and God says, you need to go and you need to wipe these people out, I always have Christians that say, well, that doesn't seem right. How could God be so mean? And we need to understand the context. We need to understand. We would call these people today Satanists. Because they were so anti-God. They didn't want to have anything to do with God. They hated God. They hated His commandments. They hated His people. And they wanted to wipe Israel out. And so when, when, a, when a nation or a person comes to that place where they're, they're not able to be redeemed, God said, we need to deal with this. Like a cancer, you'd remove that cancer from, from uh, humanity. Does everybody understand that? These people were very perverted in, in the, the lives that they lived. And we need to understand that no one is beyond redemption. What does Scripture say? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves everyone. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? Amen? 
All, all. God didn't want to see these nations wiped out and not knowing him. But God gave them, if you study scripture, God gave them a period of time, years upon years upon years upon years, for the nation to turn from their evil and to turn to him. And when they reached a point where they had just pushed God away, didn't want to have anything to do with God, that nation was coming, becoming more and more and more perverse and evil, there came a point that God said, they're never going to come to me. So we need to deal with this. And that's what it has to do with. So it's not about God getting upset about these people and not giving them a chance. God gives us all chances, amen? But in order for Israel to inherit what God had promised them, they had to come alongside him and enter into warfare. And church, that's, that's a truth for us today. You will never enter into all the inheritance that God has for you unless, church, you learn how to fight. You learn how to battle against the darkness in this world today. And when you obey God and you learn to battle His way, guess what? You're going to be walking forward, going and pushing back the darkness and inheriting the gifts, the great things that God has for you. And that's what I want for us. Amen? Now think about this. Under Joshua, all these nations could have been conquered. Think about that. Remember the story where they were in a, in a battle and Joshua sees that the sun's about to go down and, and they're in the midst of the battle and he knows they need more time. So he prays for an awesome miracle, one of the greatest miracles that the world has ever seen. And he's asked God to stop the sun and to stop the moon. Now we don't know how God did it, but he did give them an extended day so that they did win the victory. And if God gave them that victory, let me assure you, God could have given them total and complete victory over every enemy that was in the land. There's no doubt about it. God could have. So why didn't he? Because he wants the next generation to be obedient and to follow him and to learn how to do battle. One thing I've noticed when, when, a, when a nation has a long, long period of peace and rest and they're not preparing the next generation to battle, they're susceptible to the enemy overtaking them. We have numerous military uh, personnel current in the church and retired. And ask any of them and they'll tell you that. So we need to see that the next generation is prepared. That they learn how to fight. They learn how to battle. Now Joshua's name means deliverer. And it's interesting that Joshua, or in the Hebrew, Yeshua, is the same name as Jesus. Jesus is a transliteration of the Greek, and Joshua is an English transliteration of the Hebrew. But it's the same name. Jesus is the ultimate deliverer, amen? And just like Joshua wanted to teach 
The next generation growing up, this is how you do battle. There is a real enemy that wants to destroy your, destroy your life and wipe you out. Jesus wants us to grow and to mature and to realize we are living in a world that is filled with battles. Right? I know that doesn't make you happy, but in the, in the, in the place that the world is in right now, we don't know what's going to happen. And the Christians need to realize we can make a difference in the battle. Amen? Jesus, I want you to take what we've talked about Joshua and apply it to Jesus now. Think about this. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed for our sin. And on the third day, he rose again. He triumphed over all of the powers of darkness, over Satan and every power and principality. Jesus won the total victory. And I want you to think about this. The day after Easter, Jesus could have come, he could have established his throne and immediately ushered us in to his ultimate rule. But he didn't. Why? The same reason that God didn't in the days of Joshua. Because he wants every generation to realize there is an enemy of their soul. And for every generation to rise up and say, Lord, teach me your ways. I want to be obedient to you. And Lord, I want to push back the darkness in my day. Are you with me? I believe that we can have an effect in what's taking place right now between Russia and Ukraine. Do you believe that? And we have a call of God to make a difference, to pray, to believe that God's going to intervene. And we need to teach our children their prayers are powerful. Amen? Jesus said in Luke 19 and 13, he said, do business till I come. Or in some translations, it says occupy. And we can relate to that because America has been the world's policeman, so to speak. What does it mean by being an, uh, uh, an occupational um, troop and where you come in and you occupy? It means the victory has already been won, but the soldiers come in and they occupy the territory so that the enemy doesn't come back in. Now you need to see yourself in that position. Amen? Why did Jesus not take the throne right after the resurrection Sunday? Because he wants us to be an occupying force that establishes the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in our lives, but throughout the world, wherever, wherever God sends us. He said, go into all the world, right? Make disciples. And that's one way we do. We send missionaries. We send to reinforce the victory of Jesus that's been won. And it's not just fulfilling the Great Commission. It's when you and I, when we go across the street or we go to work, wherever we are, we're saying, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. And Lord, let my life be such a light 
that it dispels the darkness, that it pushes back the darkness, that the light of Jesus comes shining through my life. Amen? That's what God's called us to do. Spiritual warfare is not something that is fulfilled only in the Great Commission, but it's fulfilled through our lives in living for Jesus every day. It's fulfilled when we live in the power of His Spirit and we pray. We enter into battle just like Joshua did and Israel. Why? Because the Lord wants to see whether we will give in to temptation or live in the power of His Spirit. Look at verse 6. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served other gods. They were surrounded by these other nations and they were ungodly nations. And it was a test. Will they be obedient to God? God told them not to intermarry. It wasn't because of the nationality. It was because they were ungodly. And he knew that if they welcomed the enemy's daughters for their sons and sent their daughters for the enemy's sons, that it would bring the, the uh, evil untruth, the, the, the gods of this age that they served would creep in to God's people. And so we need to teach our children, hey, this is the word of the living God. And we read this word because it's alive. Because it, 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 God breathes this word and it impacts our hearts and lives. It transforms us. Amen? We believe what it says. We're not coming up with something other than what God tells us in his word. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. And this word is going to stand forever. You can build your life upon it. And we need to tell the next generation to do just that. Amen. Look at verse 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That's a tongue twister. But think about it. There's nothing like being in the presence of a hostile force living all around you to bring out whether you're going to live for Jesus or not. Amen? That's why it's important, I think, in, with our children, we raise them by the Word of God. We pour into them. We pray for them. We guide them and direct them. But we have to not just surround them and smother them. We have to let them go forward and God use them. They're warriors too. Amen? We prepare the next generation. Since Calvary and the resurrection, there has been a, a great opportunity for the church to enter into battle and to make a difference. Amen? So battle mainly is prayer. It's also worship. It's also praise. Living a life for Jesus. But I have some people that come to me and say, well, well, pastor, then, then should we be pacifist and, 
And, and what happens if somebody comes to my door and tries to break in? Or what happens if we're Ukraine and, and we're invaded by another army? Well, God's Word addresses that. And I want to I give you some, some scriptures. Joshua is an example. But look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who, surrounded the trump, or who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So church, God never tells us we can't protect ourselves. And he never tells us that we can't fight for righteousness. And what, what I want us to see is that what Joshua experienced, what what Nehemiah experienced and what Ukraine is experiencing today is evil in the hearts and lives of humans. It's spiritual emphasis in those lives and those people are giving in to the, the, spiritual, the spirits of darkness in our world and it is beginning to manifest in the physical. And so what I want you to know is we mainly fight through prayer. That's how we fight. We fight on our knees because the battle is mainly spiritual. But I'm not going to tell you because God's word doesn't tell you that you can't protect yourself when evil comes. In fact, it tells right there, God told them you need to fight for your family. You need to fight for your sons. You need to fight for your daughters. And he says, you need to fight for your house. That's not Pastor Milt, that's the Word of God. And he's the, he's the same, he doesn't change. Right? So you ask me, say if I was in Ukraine right now, what would I be doing? I'd be carrying an AK-47 and I'd be on the front lines fighting for my people. Now some people struggle with that. They think that's, how can a Christian do that? And if you are a Christian that just can't ever see about yourself being in that situation, then that's, that's your choice. God gives you that choice. But, he all, but don't ever come against those. I'm thankful for our military. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for those that are willing to stand up to protect our nation. But if the time ever comes, church, all of us should stand with our military to push back the darkness. And if it's a physical darkness, yes, we physically push it back. But we need to remember that it's spiritual at its root. So that's why now our prayers, even though we're removed thousands and thousands of miles from Ukraine, we can make a difference. Amen? We can push back the darkness with our prayer. In the New Testament, listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 36. Then Jesus said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, 
let him sell his garment and buy one. That's Jesus. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. Two things I want you to see about that. Jesus had never told them they couldn't carry swords or they wouldn't have had those swords on them. And he tells them in times when you, it's dangerous, you're better off to sell your coat and get a sword. And church, that's so contrary to what a lot of our preaching has been in the past. It's all been, turn the other cheek. How many have ever, turn the other cheek. If you study that passage out, it does not mean that you let people beat you up. It doesn't. The whole passage there is talking about going the extra mile. And it's talking about not being easily offended. And if someone asks you for something, you go beyond that and give them even more. That's what that passage is about. It is not saying that Jesus expects you to keep turning the cheek and let them beat the tar out of you. And so we need to understand because we're living in days where we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be other countries that are sucked into this war. But we need to be on the front lines now. And not saying, well, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter to me. You are the occupying force of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to occupy until he comes. We need to push back the darkness with the light of Jesus in us. And we need to shine as bright as ever. We need to pray that God would intervene and stop this war. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, Scripture says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So that is the ultimate source of war. It's the fallen angels, it's Satan, it's the powers and principalities and the rulers of darkness. You ask, Pastor Milt, why does war come? Why do we have wars in this, in this world? Well, James answers that question in James chapter 4, verses verse, uh, one, and, 1, 2, and 3. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's the source of war in our world today. If President Putin would give his heart to Jesus Christ and he would begin to pray for God to bless Russia, Russia wouldn't need to take over any territory or any other resources because God would begin to move and bless the nation. And that goes for any nation. And that's why we need to lift up our nation. Lift them up that they'll make righteous decisions, that there'll be a, a revival in our land, that we'll turn back to God as a nation so that we will experience peace and prosperity and blessing from God. 
They don't ask. They're not putting their faith and trust in Jesus because Jesus has promised he will provide for us. Amen? I'm getting close. Give me five more minutes. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it's an interesting verse and it applies to us today. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We may not know how we should pray about our family, about our problems, our work, our, our relationships, but we don't know how to pray about Ukraine. But this is saying that the Holy Spirit, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our life and to fill us, that the Holy Spirit in our weaknesses, He will lead us in those intercessions. Amen? When we don't know how to pray, He knows how to pray. And guess what? There are more people today around the world that have opened up to Jesus Christ and welcomed the Holy Spirit to take control and to fill their life. There is a mighty army in the world today, an occupying force to go forward in the name of Jesus. And that Spirit's going to help us to pray. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Everybody say, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Spiritual warfare is a long-term assignment. It's a long-term commitment. It's for as long as we're here. I want to give another couple of verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But it takes those who are willing to battle. Are you willing to fight? God says He's given us weapons that are mighty in God for the pulling down of those strongholds of the enemy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So it's a choice. We either can enter in to the battle or not. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now I want to clarify that. 
That is not saying that we all need to put on a white robe and join a monastery and pray all day. That's not what that's saying. It's not saying that you can't have a job. It's not saying that you can't be married, that you can't have children. It's not saying that you can't enjoy life. Amen? But what he is saying is that you don't let life hinder you from being part of the battle. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God doesn't want to squelch your fun and tell you you can't have fun. He doesn't. If you want to have a boat or a four-wheeler or hot rod, or that doesn't matter to God. He gives us all things freely to bless us. He wants us to enjoy life. But he doesn't want us to get caught up in things so that it takes our attention away from him and his plan for life. That we realize everything in this world is going to be burned up one day. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus is going to rule and reign and we're going to reign with him forever. Amen. This world is not our home. Right? So we realize that we are called, even though we enjoy these things, they're not going to have possession of us. And we're going to have our mind on the things above. And we're going to push back the darkness. Amen? I want the worship team to come. Look at that, I've got one minute. I want the worship team to come if they will. Is there anybody on the worship team in here today? There's that son God gave me. In just a moment, we're going to have some cake. Did everybody see the gorgeous cake? That's Tyler's cake. And it's got a little dozer and a little backhoe or something on it. I know he's going to take it home. He's going to be playing. He, he's, uh, he's stepping down from a lot of his responsibilities. He'll still be around when he can, but he's, he's going to school to be a heavy equipment operator. And when he graduates, they'll be sending him all over the state to, to do various jobs. But we just wanted to show him how much we appreciate him, how much we love him today. So after the service, I want you to come up and give him a big hug. Squeeze him really hard. Tell him that you love and appreciate him. I want the worship team to begin to softly play. And I want you to think right now. Are you a soldier for Christ? Melinda and I were talking this week and one night she, was, she said, I didn't get any sleep. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and I was praying for Ukraine. Another night... I, the Lord woke me up and I couldn't go back to sleep and I was praying not only for Ukraine but for other issues in, in our church family. God calls on soldiers to enter into the battle. And I, as a pastor, I pray that the battle with darkness never manifests in our country physically. I pray that we don't ever have to physically take up arms. 
But for that to happen, we have to engage in the battle now. We have to enter into prayer. Our church, the very first Sunday night when I came, over eight years ago, there was a small group and they were praying. And I, I, I told them, I said, this is the key. If we're gonna accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, we must be people of prayer. We must come together and pray and intercede. And we've continued that. And every Tuesday, our elders get together for an hour of prayer. After that, our intercessors get together for an hour of prayer. And later in the afternoon, our staff comes together again for prayer. The church, all of us need to enter the battle. Take time to pray for Ukraine. Take time to pray for your neighbor. The one that yells at you and cusses you out. They don't know why. You don't know why. It's because there is evil. And it's manifesting through them. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. So I'm going to invite the prayer team to come across the front and to come across the back. And if you have a prayer need, if there's a battle that you're in right now, maybe it's a financial battle. You don't see how you're going to be able to pay the bills this week. Maybe the car broke down. Maybe it's a relationship battle between you and a coworker. Whatever your prayer need is, I want you to come and agree with one of our prayer team this morning before we close. We won't take long. But I want you to come and, and, and let us pray with you. And let's enter into the battle together. The battle, some of you may want to come and simply intercede for Ukraine. Intercede for the Russians. I know there are multiple thousands of Russians that are not for this war because they've got kins in Ukraine and vice versa. Let's enter into the battle and make a difference in our day. Amen. Father, I just thank you today. And Lord, I pray that we would just enter into a time right now of prayer. That we would see, Lord, evidence of the power when your people begin to pray. Lord, I thank you for the videos that I've seen where there have been multitudes of Ukrainians underground in the subway entrance. And they're singing songs to you. And they're praying. They recognize, Lord, that you are their only hope. And Lord, I pray that the leaders in the world today would be moved by you and your grace and your mercy, that they would help the people of Ukraine. Lord, provide food, provide clothing. And Lord, help bring a stop to this war. Lord, we just surrender it to you today. Lord, because the battle belongs to you. We ask it in your name. Amen.
If you have a need today as the worship team begins to play, would you come and find someone to agree with you in prayer? Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app or by going online at summitwc.com give.